Frequency Cast. Startup in progress. Hi, and welcome to Frequency Cast number 74, the UK's digital TV and technology show, the show that's driven by feedback from you. My name's Carl, and with me today is our tech guru, Pete. Hi there. In this show, we talk about some new tech designed to make your home ideal. Now, here's a look at what we'll be talking about in today's tantalizing take on technology. How to avoid zombies when you're running. We're on a light vessel with no power. Grab yourself a free audiobook on us. The new 4G network. Is it worth it? Plus your comments on IP video cameras. First off, here's Pete with the latest TV and tech news. Frequency cast, now loading, news. News time on Frequency Cast, and the big story is courtesy of Panorama. Nearly 10 years ago, ITV Digital, formerly known as On Digital, bit the dust. Last month, BBC's Panorama exposed that the news corporation owned NDS was allegedly involved with hacking the video encryption and distributing pirate code that brought down Sky's rival ITV Digital. Rupert Murdoch has just hit out at the alleged libel and lies, but the BBC is standing by its evidence. The story continues to unfold. Staying with Sky, last month the Sky Anytime Plus video-on-demand service became available to more customers. Previously you had to be with Sky Broadband, but now the service is open to any broadband provider. Just use an Ethernet lead to connect your box to your router. Next, the digital switchover hits London this month, with the 18th of April being the end of analogue from London's historic Crystal Palace site. The famous tower will be illuminated in a spectacular light show to mark London's digital switch on the 18th. Next, listeners waiting for their Raspberry Pis, the cheap computer boards we mentioned in the last show, are set to have more of a wait. We understand there are 2,000 in the country, but with the need for them to undergo compliance testing, your berry may take a while longer. Ours is due in mid-May, apparently. In other berry news, makers of the BlackBerry RIM have posted poor performance for the last quarter and announced that they will be refocusing on the enterprise market as the consumer smartphone market is too competitive. Delays to the BlackBerry 10 and poor sales of the Playbook tablet haven't helped. Staying with tablets, the iPad 3 sold 3 million in the first weekend, three times more than the iPad 2. Users of Apple's tablet are reporting it's hot, hot enough to make it uncomfortable to hold. Apple says there's no problem, and the heat apparently is within specs. Good news for BT Vision customers, UK TV has signed a three-year deal to bring content from some of its channels, but more importantly, to offer a stream of Watch, Gold and Alibi later this year. Next, Freeview news. It looks like we could be in for a major renumbering of the Freeview channels later this year, to move all the channels to nice number blocks, including moving the adult channels away from the adjacent Kids TV number range. There's a link to the 130-page proposals, some nice light reading, up on our site. Now, Friends Reunited. Remember them? Well, they've relaunched as a digital scrapbook with integration to Facebook, allowing you to look back in time and remember when. The site has apparently created over 24 million family boxes for all your digital memories. 
And finally, there are 20 million Angry Birds up in space. The all new Angry Birds smartphone game clocked up over 20 million digital downloads in the first week of its release in March. The second version of the amazingly addictive game is made all the more complicated by the addition of variable gravity. If you've tried the birds in space, drop us a tweet. Thanks, Pete. For more on these stories and others, visit frequencycast.co.uk slash news. So it's focus time, and what are we going to talk about today, Pete? Well, lots to talk about today free audiobooks, how to power a radio station from a ship, killer zombies, and more. To help us out with the first part of today's focus, though, here's our Sarah. Hello. Now, Sarah, you've been out and about this month. Where have you been? Well, we've been to the Ideal Home Show in London. Yes, we went up to the first day of the show up in Earl's Court, and hopefully, our listeners caught our two audio updates released after the first day. As we're recording this, the show's coming to an end, but while we were there, we picked up some great interviews. We did, and first we spoke to Paul Grosvenor from the Smart Homes team at British Gas. Their new range of products are designed to help keep your fuel bills down, and what Paul handed us first looked like a high tech sat nav device. Yes,、yeah, so this is our new smart meter、uh, and smart energy monitor that comes along with that. So, this device really will help customers understand their energy use for the first time in pounds and pence as they use it. So,、um, it's a real step forward in helping customers see what their energy differently as they use it、uh, and to help them you know, make decisions, change their behavior, and save some money. Okay, now we've looked at these in the past on previous shows, and we've had these devices that you stick in your meter cupboard, hidden away, little clamp to go around your electricity cables, and displays that you can put in the house. It's along those lines, but this is slightly more clever than that. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that's right. So you're referring there to、uh, an electricity monitor, which you know, has been around for a few years now,、uh, and does, as you say, work with a clamp that sits near the electricity meter and transmits a, a signal to、uh, a monitor in a house. But that just gives you part of the picture. So that just tells you about the electricity,、uh, which is about a third of a typical customer's bill. So having gas as well as electricity for the first time with a smart meter、uh, is a real step forward. So it gives you the full picture、uh, and explains in pounds and pence, as I say, how. Customers are using their electricity when they use it as well. So it captures、uh, a, a meter read every 30 minutes. So it gives a, a whole new、uh, level of understanding for customers. And you can then use that information to help them understand how they use energy, how they can do things a bit differently, and、uh, change their behavior and save some real money. Looking at the display, what, what do I see here? So that's presumably the amount in the middle on this touchscreen device is the amount I would have spent so far combined gas and electricity. Is that right? That's right. So you can see、uh, what you're using now so far today, for example. Example, but you can also use it to compare previous days, hours, weeks, and months.、Uh, you can set targets on you. So, say you wanted to spend just £30 this month versus £32 last. The smart energy monitor will tell you how you're, you're doing against that target. So, again, it helps you budget, understand, and save. Now, clearly, I can't just put a clamp around my gas meter in the same way as I can with my electricity meter. So, how is this installed? Yeah, so it is a meter swap out. So, by 2019, the government has mandated that. All British homes will have a new smart meter in it. So, British Gas is leading the way in that installation,、uh, and we've done over 420,000 now、uh, to businesses and homes across the UK. So, you know, we're, we're really keen to get this to customers early so they can start to understand and, and, and see the benefits 
of that. So it would be a meter swap out and um, it'll be gradually rolled out now through to 2019 as and when the customer's old meter becomes ready for swapping out. So is there a cost to the consumer for having that meter swap out or is this something that the government has committed to by this date? Absolutely right, yeah. so it's free to the consumer. The government has committed to it and there's, there's no cost to the customer for this rollout. And you know, there's going to be some real benefits to the nation and to, to customers really that, to, to see understanding for the first time and actually ability to save some energy so there's some real consumer benefits in there as well it also captures meter reads automatically for the customer and sends those to us so no more hassle from meter readers or capturing meter read yourself does it connect to the mobile network or to internet or something to send off its data? At the moment, a text message, a simple SMS is sent overnight, but there's also options around doing it through GPRS, so, so various solutions out there. So here at the show today, I can see lots of talk of the smart home of the future. Could you just fill me in on, uh, on what that might look like? Yeah, so for British Gas, we see that the smart meter is just the start of the story, really, and, and, and it's about developing a house that, that really helps customers live more conveniently and efficiently. So it's not just a smart meter, it's also a heating control, for example. So you can take control when you're on the move through smartphone app or, or online to control your heating. Also things like wireless home security systems, which again are connected through your smartphone app and online. And also electric vehicle charging and, and uh, solar generation. So we see it really as a smart home of the future story with smart meters at the core of that. And there's a longer version of that up on our show notes. The next town was an odd one. It looked like the studio after you and Carl had finished for the day. Hang on, are you saying we're messy? Have you seen this place today? Normally, the stands we see here at the show have got lots of shining boxes and nice-looking bits of technology. What we have here is a takeaway pizza box, some old polystyrene boxes, cardboard boxes and old tins. Now, this doesn't look as professional as some other stands here. What is it you're doing exactly? Uh, what we're doing is we're taking our products and uh, transferring the music from our products onto these strange objects we've got on the table here. So what I can see here is a small white box about the size of an Apple TV box, sort of fits in the palm of the hand, with what looks like, what's the best way of describing that, a small mouse, I suppose? A small mouse, maybe even a, a, an old headphone. Yes, it's one ear of a headphone, that's exactly what it is. And this is a clever bit of speaker technology called... The boombox. Boombox, right, go on then. Put this through its places, we've plugged it in, one end plugs into my iPhone 4 here. If I press this button, that should play the theme. Now this is going to sound a bit tinny... You see, that doesn't sound particularly good to me, but you're going to do something magic, aren't you? Wow. So what you've done is you've stuck this on a cardboard box and it's producing a different sound. Let's just try this on a different device. Can you stick that on the old tin of biscuits there? Okay, rather nice. I've got to try it on a pizza box. Go on then, let's hear this one. Okie dokie, and uh, this is an old polystyrene packing crate of some kind? That is sensational, isn't it? So, what do you think of the sound of that? I just think that's amazing that it's just... It sounds like you've turned it up and we haven't touched the volume once and it's just great so portable take it anywhere okay so i have to ask could you use this on something like i don't know a pane of glass uh, you can use it on any, any sort of material car windows are really good glass coffee tables coffee cups cardboard boxes pretty much any material that it can vibrate through and it's just a 3.5 mil just a standard headphone jack that you can plug into ipod mp3 player anything that takes the standard headphone jack 
Okay, and battery powered? Two AAA batteries, or you get a USB cable as well, so you can play that through your computer to save your battery on your phone or whatever. So that's the Boombox. We've got one of these to play with, and you'll find pics, links, and a review up on our site. Next, Pete spoke to one of his gadget heroes. Oh, indeed I did. And we've got the full interview up on our site. And many of you will already have heard this. In case you didn't, here's Susie telling us about the gadget she can't live without. It's one that three years ago I, I wouldn't have been saying. It's, it's the one gadget that I thought, what do we need that for? We've got phones and we've got laptops. It's a tablet. It's the iPad. It's the one thing I always have in my bag, take it everywhere. And I think it's the world of apps, really, that, that keeps it you know, at the forefront of its market that it actually created, I guess. Absolutely, that makes sense. Have you caressed an iPad 3 yet? I might have done, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I, I do a lot of watching films and TVs with my travel, so the rest of the display is fantastic. You do get a really, really good picture. Must admit, I am slightly envious. They are hot stuff, those iPad 3s. Red hot. So we're hearing. Yes, we're hearing all sorts of problems about the iPad 3 overheating and burning people's pinkies. Not good. But the burning question, though, is what's next for Susie Perry, now that her, John and Otis have been dropped as part of Channel 5's rebranding of The Gadget Show. I have to tell you, I've known I'm not doing The Gadget Show since two days before Christmas, so I've had a little bit of time to adjust to what was quite a shock. So it's held an awful lot. I've actually never been busier with work. So it's quite interesting that I've had the chance to do lots of different things that I would never have had the time to do. Things like Let's Dance for Sport Relief, um, presenting a BAFTA tonight at the Gaming Awards, so loads of, you know, different, unusual stuff. I mean, I haven't made any long-term decisions. Long-term decisions take a long time, by definition of what they are. Um, if you're looking at a new show, it would generally take about 12 months from concept to getting it on screen. So I'm not looking at doing anything particularly regularly until probably the end of the year, beginning of next year, but I'm loving the chance to do lots of different things and panel shows and all that sort of stuff, so lots of fun right now. And of course, Susie was on the right stuff last month, looking great. Talking of looking great, you in that zero gravity massage chair. It's basically um, massaging, but also putting different pressure on different parts of my body so at the moment it's working on my back but before it was working on my legs okay looking at the display here you have a stiffness measurement of what looks like about four out of ten do you feel fairly stiff i do have problems with my shoulders and my neck so yeah that's always um a problem for me i do sometimes get quite stiff legs after my running so kelvin if i can just ask you to explain what's going on here this chair is scanning from the body if you can see the red dot is where her stiff is now. From shoulder, your chest, your lower back, and then your feet. The scan is slowly coming down. The first thing that you can see the head and shoulder, uh, the shoulder, neck is have stiffness. Once the stiffness disappear, the red light will disappear. So this chair is so intelligent. When when different people sit on this chair, they got different massage again because their stiffness is different. The other massage chair you can have is only massage. Every day the same program. After one month, two months, you feel boring and you don't use it anymore. But this chair, you before you, you go to bed, you massage it, you feel sleep better. Superb. So these are available in the UK now? Yes, yes, yes. And the people listening to this at home, where would they find out more about this or where can they buy these in the UK? They can buy from our website, which is uh, sasaki.co.uk. It's a lovely chair, much more invasive than a lot of massage chairs that I have. And you do actually feel like it's properly massaging you rather than just rubbing over the back, which a lot of the others do. And because it's total body, it's a whole body experience. Are you sold? Definitely. Can I take it home? Now, what about that cycling safety device we looked at? 
It's a cycle helmet with a built-in illuminated light pipe. So you've got lights at the back with a rechargeable battery and you get a whole halo light. This can be seen from all angles and you can have constant or flashing. And with a rechargeable battery you can charge it on your USB socket. So you're always seen, irrespective of where your head is and as you're riding, you're always seen from the side and that's where you're most vulnerable. And you're in the eye height of the car drivers. So it's a fantastic new product incorporating the safety of a helmet with the being illuminated all 360 degrees. And if I got it right, it's either permanently on or it, it flashes to get the attention? That's correct. You can have either mode and obviously you can then just charge up on your USB socket. So when you go to work, put it on your PC, charge it up and you're ready to roll. And it comes as a fully adjustable strap and it's got a carbon fibre effect finish. And it's a fantastic new product and every, every cyclist should have one. Absolutely. Now, of course, you can't put a price on safety, but if you have to put a price on these helmets, what would we be talking? Well, their normal price is £60, so £40 is the price of a normal helmet, and with that you're also getting the extra safety features that lighting can give you. Okay, and your web address is? www.bicygnals.com Oh, and finally, Pete, you found a couple of power products. I did, yes. As you know, I have an eye shiny, and unless I charge it about twice a day, it has the habit of running out of juice. But now I have the solution. Here's Jeff from Powerpack Sales. We've got a beautiful product. Uh, it's a 1450 milliamp battery. Comes in a white or a black plastic case. Great advantage with it is you can keep the case on the phone. No need to remove it. Gives you about 80% more battery life and three mil across the back of the phone. So that will be enough charge to, to fully charge an iPhone from flat. Is that about right? give you about 70 to 80 percent um, to charge the phone. It's the same battery in the iPhone as in the um, pack. Does it actually offer any protection to the phone as well? It's as much protection as you're going to get for an iPhone. Don't drop them. And I see some uh, LEDs on the bottom. You've got some power indicators there? Full indication is the four LEDs along the bottom and that'll deplete as you're using up the battery. And I must admit it, is, it doesn't add any bulk to the phone. That is surprising. See that size of battery in something that doesn't add a lot of bulk there. Now if I've got this right as well, you have a solution for those that don't quite have an eye shiny yet. So the Android users out there. Yeah, we um, carry a, another product um, which is a black, it looks like an MP3 player. It's got a 2000 milliamp battery. It'll charge practically anything you want to charge as long as it's got a USB, PlayStation, Game Boy, phone. It'll keep the charge also for about a month. If you're lucky enough to have some sun, you can charge solar charger up and that also will then add extra power to the pack. Superb. Okay, we'll be having a little play with these when we get back to base and uh, putting them through their paces. We'll also put some photos up on the website and a merciless plug for your web address, please. Powerpacksales.com. Come and see us. Yeah, they're two great products and you really like those, don't you? Oh, I sure do, and we'll be mentioning one of those again later in the show. First, though, running. In show 72, we got you running. Do you remember? Oh, yes, the Fitbit. That's that little pedometer thing that does wireless tracking of your uh, running. But uh, as well as that, there was also some running software you used. Just uh, remind me. Ah, I use RunKeeper. And how do you find that? It's a great app. I use it all the time. Well, I found something that you're going to have to try. And it's actually something that's got me, yes, me, breaking out of sweat. Not breaking out of sweat, surely. Yes, it's called Zombies Run. And 
and it's great for our running listeners, such as our Jonathan Turner. It's an Android and iPhone app that combines running with a zombie attack story. So you run a series of missions to collect supplies as directed by radio messages that cut across your music on your device. And you have to speed up to avoid being eaten. Listen, this is Sam Yao from Able Township. You've come down in a nest of hostiles. If there's anyone alive there, just run. Run! You? Running? Ah, so you've noticed I'm not exactly built for running. Well, it does work with walking and cycling too, and it's really clever. And when you get back to base, uh, you can look at the supplies that you've collected and use it to reinforce your virtual compound. It's really addictive and well worth a go. Links on our show notes. Well, I'll have to give that a try. What about something less energetic? Ah, we have a freebie for our listeners. Now, Sarah, do you ever listen to audiobooks? Yes, I do partake in that pastime. Yes, now if you're listening to us as a podcast on your portable device, rather than just listening to podcasts, what about audiobooks? And here we have a little partnership in place with the good folks at Audible. Now they have a library of over 60,000 audiobooks that you can download, and we've arranged a free 30-day trial of the Audible service. So you could get yourself a book, something like the uh, new Steve Jobs book, or the Alan Partridge autobiography, or even a classic like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You have to sign up for a 30-day trial and at the end of it you can cancel and the good news is you can keep the audiobook that you downloaded as part of the trial it's a really nice little idea and it's definitely worth a go plus you'd be helping us out as well if you're interested the 30-day free trial is available at audible.co.uk forward slash frequency cast and there's a link to that one as well up on our show notes do give it a try that's definitely worth it now Pete, i had my fun at the ideal home show And you've had your fun playing on a boat. I did. My friend Jim and I spent the day playing radios on a light vessel, the LV-18. First, here's Tony O'Neill to tell us a little bit about the LV-18's history. Well, the LV-18 was, in fact, the last ever Trinity House manned light vessel. She was decommissioned in 94. She was built in 58, so she's 54 years old now, and she's doing all right. She's one of the new ones, one of the last four to be built. Well, she's a lovely lady, I have to say, and uh, she's got some uh, radio heritage associated with her as well. As, as you know, Pete, the uh, light vessels are inextricably linked with the history of broadcasting because um, Marconi's first gig was with Trinity House for uh, wireless telegraphy sets over 100 years ago now, I suppose. And uh, ever since then, they've not only shone lights at sea and blown foghorns, but they've been communications devices and most useful to it at uh, protecting the mariner. So, yeah, we've got this set up here on on the Hapney Pier, or near the Hapney Pier in Harwich, and over the last 13 years now, we've done all sorts of radio broadcasts. And there's a longer version of that up on our website. So what were we doing on the LV-18? Well, my good friend Jim and I were doing some ham radio transmissions. Here's Jim contacting the US. CQ, 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 2 Echo Zero, Romeo, Mike, India, Portal, transmitting from the LV-18 in Harry. After we made a few successful transmissions, I asked Jim to fill us in on what was going on. Well, today, uh, demonstrating some radio products, some amateur radio systems. Absolutely right. Now, we've got some technical challenges, is that correct? I think you're referring to our power supplies. Yes, so we're on a light vessel, but there is no mains electricity on the boat, so we're am- we're improvising a bit, aren't we? We are. Uh, th- there are generators on the boat, but they're not in operation today, so um, we've had to bring our own power supplies along. You're operating a, uh, a portable radio rig there uh, with something in a red box. What have you got in there? It looks like 
like a car battery. I guess in, in all intents and purposes it is, but it's actually out of a fire alarm system. On the other side of things, I've got my equipment running. I'm actually using something slightly different. I'm using a slab. Have you heard of a slab? I hadn't until today, Pete. So this is a lot smaller than the, the, the car battery size thing that you've got. Mine's sort of well, a bit smaller than a brick, I suppose. 12 volts as well and 9 amp hours for the technically minded uh, listening to us at the moment. And it's been all day and showing no signs of flagging. I would say yours has the advantage, Pete, because you won't go home with a hernia. Yeah, probably right there. So we're using some other equipment here. We've uh, both got some handheld radio equipment. Uh, I've got my iPhone. Of course, I never go anywhere without my iPhone. Now, uh, just hold that for me for a second, Jim. Okay. If I dismantle this, you can actually see here that the case slides into this thing. Just, just hold that for me. That is a 1,400 milliamp hour battery. Very lightweight as well. So what happens is I slide my iPhone into there. And if you look at my power consumption, you can see, here we go, I've been operating all day, 48% battery left on the iPhone. If I press this little button on the front of the case here, as if by magic, it now starts charging. So that's a full capacity battery will now charge my iPhone. That's a clever piece of kit there, Pete. Now, we're doing some internet stuff, aren't we? So I'm streaming a webcam uh, over the internet and you're connecting to some clever looking radio systems. What have you got a connection into there? Yeah, I'm connected to Echolink, which is uh, basically amateur radio systems connected into the internet to take you anywhere across the world. And on your laptop, presumably you are you're just powered off the normal laptop battery. How many hours does that give you? Uh, normally about six hours, and uh, but it's holding up well today because I'm not actually draining much power today. So it's, it's still got about three hours left. So we're both actually using netbooks. You have a Samsung netbook and I'm using an Asus netbook. We're both internet connected. How are you connecting to the net? Yeah, I'm connected through a three dongle and uh, that's working extremely well. Pay as you go or are you contract there? It's a pay as you go, but it's actually over a 12 month period. Uh, also, we've got a webcam there. So anyone looking at us at the moment can see a webcam. I found a marvellous webcam. This is brilliant, isn't it, Jim? Yeah, it looks very uh, space age and um, very expensive and uh, it's working very well. How much did it cost, Pete? Oh, this is staggering. It's basically on a telescopic aerial, so you can actually angle it up, raise the height, which if you're working in an environment like this is great. Surprisingly, only nine quid from Maplin. Well, that I would say is extremely good. And uh, it's actually been giving us very good pictures and we've been uh, showing views of uh, the, uh, the studio here and also the uh, out of the window into the River Stewart. Thanks to Jim and Tony, and thank you, Sarah, for your help. Well, any time you want my help with professional shopping, let me know. Frequency cast, now loading, interaction. Time for feedback and questions now. And we took the opportunity to record this month's questions whilst we were on the LV18. Here's Jim with the first question. Barry asks, I cannot find the link to the Eve app for iPhone, as mentioned in show 73. Can you point me in the right direction? Hi Barry, well you're not the first one to ask, the application is called Eevee, that's spelt Echo Victor Indigo, and there's a link on last month's show notes and this month's show notes. James Bates asks, I have a Humax FreeSat box, it only has the BBC iPlayer and ITV player and some online movie player on it at the moment. Are there any plans for Channel 4 and Channel 5 and others to put their players on the FreeSat box? It seems a bit spartan compared to the BT Vision box. We did some checking around and found a freeview announcement that 4OD and Demand 5 will be coming soon. But as that was nearly a year ago, we're not holding our breath. As an alternative, you could consider getting one of the new Apple TV boxes for under £100, which will also give you access to iTunes, Netflix and YouTube. Next question, Jim. Roger Rowe sent us a link to a story in The Guardian about the new 4G network. Given Wi-Fi is cheap and accessible, do we need an expensive 4G network? 
We've added a link to the article in question to our show notes. Roger says that as free Wi-Fi is available in his area, paying £10 a month for mobile data seems unnecessary. And the article points out that apparently only 19% of smartphone data goes over the mobile network. So do we really need to invest billions and mess up Freeview at the same time just to get faster mobile data? Please have a read of the article and get in touch to let us know what you think. David Hannigan asks, even though I am in America, I love your podcasts and listen to them all the time. You have talked about Netflix and Love Film in show 72. Is Love Film exclusively in the UK? I had Netflix until they raised the price of a DVD plus streaming plan from $10 to $16. Well, although Love Film is owned by Amazon in the US, the service is actually only available in the UK, Germany and Scandinavia. Sorry about that. Next, we heard from Mick Cole talking about IP cameras. Indeed, Mick says he's been using his IP cameras at home for around two years. The fun part, he says, was connecting them to the internet. To do this, you need to use port forwarding. Ah yes, we did a feature on that back in our unofficial home hub guide some time back. Mick also says the other problem is dynamic IP addresses, and he has to use a service called DINDNS.com. Yes, the joys of firewalls and IP addresses, I remember it well. If anyone's interested in us doing a decent how-to, let us know. Staying with the internet camera, we also heard from Mick Webb. Sorry Jim, you can't read my writing there. That's actually Mark Webb. His mail's too long to read out, but we'll put it up on our show notes. In summary though, he's very keen on the D-Link kit, and he suggests that when choosing an IP camera, get one with a built-in motion sensor alarm and infrared illumination for nighttime use, together with the ability to upload images or video when an alarm is set off. Yes, I use the Panasonic C131, and very nice it is too. Oh, and in the last show, we asked our listeners to get in touch regarding fast broadband. Top results go to Sung Ming for reporting that in South Korea, each road has free Wi-Fi. Wow. With average speeds of 70 megabits per second. Also, Sean Yem tells us he's getting 120 megabits per second on the Wirral near Liverpool. And Mel Kenyon got in touch to say that B4RN.org UK is a community-based broadband project in North Lancashire that's just started to lay fibre to the home, offering one gig. Wow. Thanks to Jim for asking the questions this time around, and as ever, thanks to our listeners for comments and questions. Always welcome. Well, if you want to get in touch, you can leave us a voicemail by calling 0208 133 4567 or you can text us on 07882 043 521. We'd love to hear from a few more of you, so please get in touch and say hi. Our show's driven by feedback from you, so talk to us. Frequency cast. Shut down in progress. Well, I'm afraid that's all for this show, show 74. For news updates or to get in touch, please visit frequencycast.co.uk. While you're there, click the Add Us to iTunes button. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for FrequencyCast. Thanks for listening to our tantalising take on technology. And if you like what you've heard, please spread the word. word.